start to our evening service. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you that we can gather together with our sisters and our brothers in Christ. And I just pray that you'd be with us as we lift you up and exalt you. I do pray that it would be you that ministers to our hearts through your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing, Blessed Be the Name. All praise to Him who reigns above in majesty supreme. Power to save 
you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Revelation. Last book in your Bible, book of Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to do a little message or lesson this evening on that eternal city, that eternal city that every single one of us one day will be an occupant of. Right now we have reservations because we're still here. Amen. I talked to a gentleman the other day, and I'm trying to remember where I was chatting with him, but he was singing to me the praises of going on a cruise. He told me, he says, man, you have got to go on a cruise. I remember now where it was. It was at youth camp, and it was one of the volunteers. He is a regional, he had volunteered to come as a counselor at youth camp, and um, he was telling me what he did for a living. He's the entire Northeast Regional Director for some uh, company. And he said that him and his wife and his two kids, they do cruises. And he said, it is the best thing. He said, you just can't imagine it, preacher. You get out there. You don't even have to leave the boat. You can eat whatever you want. You can go and listen to music and do this and this and this. And so he's just, I mean, man, he sounds, it makes it sound so good. It's incredible. And so he told me, he says, we make our reservations way ahead. And he said, and by the way, if you make reservations and they lower the price, they contact you and let you know your price has been lowered. So, I mean, man, he's making it sound better and better. Who I have no idea whether all that, whether it would work for me, because I'm not a regional director of some big corporation. But for him, he wheels and deals these things. He makes it sound like it's heaven. I mean, man, nobody could make it sound as they should pay him for promoting cruises. But you know what? It's not heaven, is it? God has for us a heavenly home. And when we look forward to that, it's great to know we have a reservation. And the price for us is free because Jesus paid it. It's already been paid by our Lord Jesus Christ. All we have to do is accept the free gift. So I want you to go with me to Revelation chapter 21. And tonight we're going to just take a little glimpse into eternity. 
and just take a quick glimpse at that eternal city that is being prepared, ready for you and I. We're going to start off, if you would, look down with me at uh, chapter 21. I think I'm going to start off with just the first couple verses of the chapter, and then I'm going to jump down to the city. Listen to what it says in chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So we start off the chapter by understanding that God even now has plans for a new heaven and a new earth. And you and I are part of that plan. And when he comes to verse 2, he says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And you and I are that bride of Christ. You and I that are born again, children of God, washed clean through the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have a reservation reserved by our Lord. He promised, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would tell you. And he says, he's going to bring us unto that place. So let's just take a little glimpse and look through the portal of time and let's see that heavenly city. Look with me at uh, verse 11 of chapter 21. We come down and it says, uh, I, I think I'll start at verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descend, descending out of heaven from God having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel." And on the east three gates, and on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three, three gates. And he goes down through and he describes to us all this amazing visual sight. Listen to verse 14. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of who? The twelve apostles of the Lamb. So he begins to describe to us this eternal city that is part of the new heaven and the new earth for you and I that are the children of God. And he gives to us a description that it is illuminated by God himself. When you look at verse 11, he makes it clear. He says, it has the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious. But he doesn't leave it there for us to wonder about this light that lights the new Jerusalem. Go down with me to verse 22, if you would. It says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. So we understand that the spiritual light of the new Jerusalem, it's not a church, it's not a temple. The spiritual light is our God. Look down with me a little farther. Look at verse 23. It says, And the city had no need of the sun, 
neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. So we begin to understand better about this, this holy city, this eternal city. This city that has no need for outside light because it has inside light. It's not LED lights. It's not some kind of fancy new bulb. It's the light of God, both spiritually and physically. Look with me at chapter 22, verse 5. It comes down and it says, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So when we start talking about that eternal city and we start talking about that light source, that light source is forever and ever, isn't it? Here, not so many years ago, the state of Vermont sent out a thing and they wanted all the business accounts in the state of Vermont to convert to LED lighting. And we actually have a lot of bulbs in this building. And we started the process, and they, they gave grants, they helped out, although it was expensive. We went through the entire building and we changed the LED. And when that happened, they told us, they said, listen, if you'll go to LED lights, they last for, I mean, they tossed out numbers. I thought to myself, those bulbs will outlive me. But do you know what they do? They go out. You know, if we took a moment, we, we try to keep up with it in here, but I don't know, there could be a burned out bulb in here now because I am telling you they burn out. I know we just replaced some the other day because they burn out. We have a tendency to misrepresent truth as people. Certainly the LED inventors, they misrepresented truth because they do burn out or whatever they do, whatever makes them go out. But the light of God and the heavenly city, that eternal city, is an eternal light because he is an eternal God. So we see that this is a glorious light, he tells us in chapter 22, verse 5. And it is a spiritual light. Look with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 32, if you would. I think these guys are going to beat me, right? No, not yet. Still not. Luke 2.32. Luke 2.32. Did I say it wrong? I was too busy trying to beat you. Luke 2.32. We come down and it says that, uh, look at verse 31 as well. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is that light to lighten the Gentiles. And you and I that are not of Jewish descent, you and I that are not physically, biologically of the line of Abraham, you and I that have been, in, we have been instead engrafted into the olive tree, as is talked about in the New Testament, you and I have been enlightened by our Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you would, at the Gospel of John. Gospel of John really gives us an amazing description and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ being the light. 
Look at John chapter 1, if you would, with me. And we're going to look at John 1. And then I'm going to take you from verse 4 to verse 9 to verse 14. Turn with me there and we will see these great descriptions of our Lord as the light. Uh, Verse 4 of chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jump down to to verse 9. It says, That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Look down with me at verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He dwelt among us in his glory, his light. It was shed upon us as Gentiles. Look down with me, if you would, at chapter 5, verse 23 of the Gospel of John. Chapter 5, verse 23. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. So we understand that when we start talking about the light of God, it brings honor to the Lord. He is the one who gave the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might shed light and enlighten you and I as Gentiles. He is that spiritual light. But when we look at the text, we are reminded that it's not only a spiritual light, it's a physical light. They actually light the heavenly city, the eternal city. Look with me, if you would, at chapter 21. We'll go down at verse 23 again. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the the Lamb of God is the light thereof. So yes, he is the spiritual light. But the amazing thing about that eternal city is, not only is he the spiritual light, he is the physical, radiant light of heaven. And it takes us back in our minds, all the way back into the Old Testament, because there was somebody who stood before that radiant light one time before. Anybody remember who it was? It was Moses upon the mount. And if you'll remember, the radiant light of God upon him was so great that when he came down off the mount, he had to cover himself, for it was so much that people couldn't look upon him. And it had to fade off of him. So whatever or however God is that radiant light, it is awesome and incredible. And when we get there, we're going to find out all about it. Because we have a reservation in that eternal city. Go back with me to our text there in Revelation chapter 21. And I want you not only to see how that the city is illuminated by God, but I want you to see that it is populated by the nations. All the nations and kindreds of the world. Listen to verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So who is it that's walking in this city? It says, they which are saved. You know, it's an interesting thing. I grew up in New England. I grew up uh, in Massachusetts on an old dairy farm out in the country. And I never, ever heard the term to be saved or born again when I was growing up. Didn't know anybody who had been and never heard it talked about. 
But then when I became a teenager and started working side jobs, a guy started talking to me about being saved and being born again. It's like a foreign language to me. And I'm always conscious of the fact of where we live. As a New Englander, when I talk to people in our area and I talk to them about receiving Christ, I'm very careful to not use the Christianese that we use, that folks just, they look at you with that blank stare. What does that mean? And one of those things is that turn of phrase to be saved. For me to look at somebody who's never been in a gospel preaching church and to say to them, have you, have you been saved? Their natural response to me is, yeah, I, I've been saved. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was swimming with some friends and you know, I, I slipped off the bank and they reached out and, and they saved me. Because that's the concept of being saved, isn't it? Somebody saved me from something, somewhere. But the idea of salvation, until you've heard the gospel message, is not even there. You don't even, there's no concept of it. So you have to have a little bit of Bible knowledge, even when you're reading this, don't you? Where he talks about those who are walking in that eternal city are those that are saved. Somebody tell me, what's it mean to be saved? It means to be born again. Born from what to what? Anybody tell me? Be born from the water to the spirit. To be born from the natural to the spiritual, the eternal, isn't it? But that all takes an education, doesn't it? Because when you were 12 years old, you had no idea what to be born again probably meant. Probably not. I did not. Somebody had to help me to understand. You know, we do missions trips around the world. Our, our church through the years has done missions trips. And we're looking now. I'm, I'm trying to make contacts. I was trying to make it work for us to go to Paris for the um, Olympics. But having some difficulty connecting with the right people to make that happen. But... We have been to different countries and different parts of the world on missions trips. And every place we go, there are things we have to learn. There are gestures that Americans make that are very offensive in foreign countries. I want to know what they are, because I don't want to do that. Right? I, that's right. You know, there are certain foods in foreign countries that I don't want to eat that are very traditional in their country, and I don't want to by accident say, sure, I'll try that. So I kind of try to make sure I understand. Well, the same thing with the eternal city. There are some things that we need to understand, and one of them is, it's a city of those who are saved. And for you and I instantly, we know what that means. But the world we live in has no concept. For us, we embrace that. And we say, thank the Lord. I, to live in a place of just saved people. Can you imagine? When I went to Bible college, my dad and I, we had set out in my car and we blew the engine in about two hours from home. And so we had to go back home, get it towed, the whole deal. And, um, and then I had to fly. And I thought to myself, I'd never flown in an airplane before, but I'm flying into Springfield, Missouri, the center of the Bible Belt, where this Bible college is. I own, I, in my naive, young, 
mind, I thought to myself, this is going to be like heaven. I mean, I'm going to land down in this place. There's going to be Christians everywhere. And I got off the plane and I walked into the airport. And one of the first things I encountered was a Harrah Krishner guy trying to raise money. And for you that know Harrah Krishna is an Eastern cultic religion. And I thought, I thought this is the Bible Belt. This is, this is the center of Christianity. And this Hira Krishna guy is trying to get money off of me. It totally blew me away. This city will have no Hira Krishna's bumming money from us. We're not going to encounter cultic groups. It is going to just be people born again, saved. Saved from hell, saved for heaven just like us. We're not going to have to educate people on it because the people who are going to be there are it. They know what it means to be saved. So it's populated by those who are the born again children of God. So let's look again at verse 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And he reminds us of that light. It's a key part of reading about that eternal city. That light is mentioned over and over again. So the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So he reminds us that the people of all the earth who are born again, people of every kindred, every nation, every tongue. They're all a part of this heavenly city if they are part of the born-again saved group. Look with me at Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, and I want you to see as he reminds us of this. He says, I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred, and tongue, and people. That's missions, isn't it? He, we, he, we see here where God is reminding us that the, the message has gone out, and people have received Christ. People have been saved and born again. From where? From every kindred, from every nation, from every tongue, from every people. Now, the interesting thing, when we get to heaven... I think we're all going to speak the same language. I think that the Lord is going to have it so that we can all understand each other when we get to glory. Will it be Hebrew? Maybe. Will it be who knows what? Maybe it'll be Vermont slant on English. Who knows? I think probably it'll be a heavenly language. But we're going to be able to talk and communicate and understand people from every corner of the earth, from every generation of time, we're going to be able to visit with them in this eternal city, populated by the nations of the world, from commoners to kings. Look with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And I'm going to read down through that text, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. And we're going to look at verses 8 down through 13. It says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, 
having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And I love that. Your prayers come up before God as a heavenly scent and a heavenly odor or incense. Verse 9, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation. Didn't we just read that? About that eternal city? Didn't he just say that that is part of the eternal city? And here he's referencing the fact that people have received and trusted in the shed blood of Jesus from every kindred, tongue, and people and nation, and has made us, in verse 10, unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign with him on the earth, the new heaven and the new earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands He's multiplying 10,000 times 10,000 times thousands and thousands and thousands. You know, it's interesting when the Bible talks about broad is the way to destruction and narrow is the way to salvation. But even with a narrow way, as people put their faith and trust in Jesus, even with the narrow way, we will encounter in that heavenly eternal city tens by tens by hundreds by thousands by thousands by thousands multiplied, multiplied, multiplied of souls that have put their faith and trust in the Lord. This is not some podunk village. This is a place of great dwelling where they are celebrating and rejoicing in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that they come from every corner of the earth, every kind of people. It is why gospel-believing people, there is absolutely no room for prejudice. You should never look upon anybody and think to yourself, they can't be saved. Listen, I don't care whether they're rich, poor. I don't care what color they are or shade of color they are. I don't care what background they have, what circumstances come into their lives. The gospel can change anybody. And then we are brothers and sisters in Christ forevermore. Part of a mass of humanity who've put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back with me within our text of Revelation chapter 21. And I want you to look with me at verses 25 and 26, because I want you to understand this is not a boring place. Lots of people think that heaven is a boring place. They want to go to hell where there's lots of screaming and activity. They think it's going to be like a rock concert or something. Not at all. The Bible tells us hell is a place of horrific torment, where the worm dieth not, where souls are burned but not consumed. But heaven is a place of activity. Listen to what comes down as we come down to verse uh, 25 and 26. And the gates of this eternal city, the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. For there shall be no night there. And why is there no night? Does anybody know? 
Yeah, because the Lord is the light of the place and he never goes out. His presence is eternal. There's no night there. It's a radiant place. Verse 26. And they shall bring the glory and, on, and the honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in what? The Lamb's book of life. So he tells us, he says, this is a city. And he talks to us about the walls, the foundations. In the text, he talks about the streets, the river of life, the trees of life that are lined upon the sides of the river of life. He describes all of that in there. But he says the gates are open and they never close. So for you and I living in the world that we live in, our cities are not, they're not gated cities. Now, if you're pretty wealthy, then maybe you, have, you live in a, a, a gated community. Uh, you know, like our politicians. They don't want to put up walls and they don't want gates, but they all live behind walls and gates. But the, the heavenly city, the eternal city, he brings us back to ancient times. And he says it's got walls and foundations. And it does have gates. But those gates are open and shall never close. And that's because those eternal souls dwell there and there's that activity of people going about. You know, I might look across a million years from now, might look down there and say, is that Patty? Is that Patty Fairbrother? Is that from, from Victory Baptist Church back in 2023? And I might hustle right outside the gate and she might be out there running around in the flowers. I don't know if there's flowers up there, probably. And I'll go up and I'll say, hey, Patty. She'll say, are you Bob? No, I'm not Bob. Are you Steve? No, I'm not Steve. Pastor Tim. I'll say, absolutely. And we'll visit and chat because we will be part of a population of millions. Who knows? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And we'll encounter people who we'll be chatting with. And we'll, we'll step outside the gate that never closes. We'll look over there and somebody, little group of folks that we've never met before. One of the many, many, many people. And we chat with them. And next thing you know, we find out that they received Jesus. Because of the missions money we sent to some far land. Or maybe they received Jesus because we went and worked on a youth camp somewhere. Or we did a ministry somehow. Or who knows what it is. We're going to have an eternity to figure those things out. To sort them out. To understand them. It's going to be amazing. It's a place of activity. It's not a place of, of boring just sitting around with nothing to do. It's a place where we hear the heavenly host singing out the praises of God. Listen, they won't even need ovation guitars. They're going to have who knows what heavenly harps. But the reality is, it is not a dead place. It's a living place. Everything you see in the New Testament that describes heaven 
It's a place of activity, celebration, worship, connection. It is a restricted place, though. When you come to verse 27 in our text, it says, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So God wants us to remember, as we draw closer and closer, every single one of us, to that day when we step from this world into that eternal world. He says, I want you to understand there is a heavenly home for you. And it's restricted. It's only available to those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And can somebody tell me, how do you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Anybody tell me tonight? How do, how do you do that? Accept the Lord in your heart. Yeah, you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and into your soul. You simply accept the gift that he paid for on Calvary. It's our reservation. So just like this guy who's telling me that cruises are the most amazing thing, pastor, I told him, I said, I'm a little nervous about gaining a ton of weight if I go on one of those. He says, oh, no, 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 you don't have to eat all the food. Well, what do you do with all that food? He told me, he says, well, you don't have to go to the buffets. He said, there's lots of buffets. But he says, you can go to the really expensive restaurants where you just get small portions, but you have to buy them yourself. Now, who's going to do that? Why? So anyways, that's, that's my struggle. But our heavenly home, our reservation is there. We received Jesus Christ as our Savior, and our name went into the Lamb's Book of Life. And one day, when we pass from this life into the next, and the Lord comes and brings us to our heavenly home, there's our name. Our reservation is fulfilled. And we have that eternal city to be ours forevermore. I celebrate that. I look forward to that. I'm not in a hurry. You know, I'm going to live the life I live here, and I enjoy the life I live here. But when I get there... I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of forevermore. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. And uh, trustees, if I can, meet with you right over here on the side. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come tonight, celebrate the eternal life that we have as saved individuals, as born-again children of God. We embrace the description of that eternal city. Lord, we thank you that you have promised us that you've gone to prepare a place for us. Lord, we look forward to it. We anticipate it. We put our faith and trust entirely in you for it. Because we know we can't earn it. We can't buy it. It's a free gift. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.